to school, kids are cool. I mean, you know, I have more glasses, you know, so you have four eyes, you know, and things like that. And so that makes me feel more different. Well, what one thing in grade when I uh, grew up is that I um, was able to ride a horse. That was pretty good. And we had the uh, economic side of going and riding horses and so all over the country. And so I did that, and I took high school, and, and I won all these awards. And I was trying to get something on the outside and fix me on the inside. And, you know, the old song that Frank Sinatra sings, is that all there is? Well, I've got one all the blue ribbons and the medals, is that what that all there is? How come I don't feel anything? How come there's something wrong? And uh, that's why I happen to be at a party where there's Air Force people. And if you know anything about the Air Force, you know those guys know the news. If somebody had to be a drink and you would just like this is what it means. And, and I took the alcohol like a duck took the water. It was just wonderful. If you've ever seen my cousin Ruth, you would wonder why anybody would drink. Seriously. He'll take a drink, and then he'll do it, he'll take it to his head. And then put it down. And then he'll play it. I want 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 it. And he'll play on it, and then he'll take it on his head. That's the answer to God is saying, I'm trying to put on your bed. Now, that is the perfect way. A good alcohol, I don't know what it is. You know? But if you give me a little alcohol, baby, a little red rock and roll all night long, run this thing, you name it. Um, down at San Antonio a couple weeks ago, I told the cop, I said, you know, you better be grateful, girl. It's over. Yeah. I said, you know, this town would be very different for the rest. And all about 65,000 of them. Um, I forgot to tell you that my uh, whole group is the uh, St. Matthew's group in Louisville, Kentucky, and we meet every Tuesday and Friday night at 8 o'clock. And if you're ever in town, please come and visit us. We're a good friendly group, and it's a bunch of uh, big book cards or thumpers. And we stick to uh, the big book, and we stick to Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I'm not in charge. I think that's wonderful. You know, sometimes, with an old time, you can think that we know truth and we're in charge. That really is not good for us at all. Because I'm just a member of my members. And uh, I um, have had a lot of fun. I've also, you know, life is life. I mean, the journey of, of, of the program and the journey of life takes its twists and turns. After I uh, was introduced to alcohol, I only drank. I'm a lightweight. You know, I only drank for two and a half years. And you don't think that's terrible. I grow a lot of inventory about that. Because I used to see the men that never get up and never get out drank for 10, 20, 30 years. And by God, it was the best thing I'm happy that I could try to face. Uh, you know, I didn't get to do so many of the things. And, and Danny and I, well, I didn't. I didn't get to do a lot of things a lot of people do that drink for a long time. You know?
read the promises. And this is the holy grail of alcoholic phenomena. You know, if you, you get to this point, you're going to be okay. And, uh, you know, there's a promise at uh, every step. But one of the things that I always found out, and that's another kind of promise, what page is that on? 
didn't have to marry him. It's like, you know, okay, you know, be with the one you love, or you can't love, or love the one you're with, but you can't be with the one you love. And so I said, my honey, I said, honey, you're going to be the one I love tonight, so I'll have fun. And uh, so that was sort of the, you know, I was a wild child very early on. And, and I'm glad that I had every opportunity to do everything stupid that I could when I was young. Because I really have an understanding. When people do dumb things today, I know they're in school. They say, well, you understand that. But the thing that I do remember is that um, there was always a sentiment. I never felt that I was even up to the I felt that I was underneath. I felt that um, I didn't have enough money. I didn't have enough I didn't have to worry about it. No. Uh, and I didn't feel educated. No, I didn't. You know, because I still feel it. But, you know, some of those things I would dress underneath, uh, I didn't understand how come if you're going with somebody you couldn't speak to somebody else. Some of those things. Basic things. You know, and, um, so though the judge told me I had to go to alcohol to Donald when I was uh, 23 years old, I said, you don't understand it now. I didn't say that to him. I just said, you don't understand. He said, he said, I think you have a drinking problem. And I said, well, Your Honor, I said, I have a lot of problems, you know. But it's my third day to lie, and I hadn't caught on yet. Okay, now, the first time you go to jail, that's what I went around and interviewed all the ladies told them out there. I was like, well, I was going to go to the experiment, and I wanted to find out how some day I was going to go to the You know, and it's kind of crazy, but they let me alone. And, and so, but to me, I was so humiliated. Um, so I had to go into my world, my world that I had created. And that's what alcohol is doing. You know, we can't live in this world because we don't have whatever it takes to live in this world. And I'll run in my own phone and get on to you. So that's the second and third time where the girl's gone. And uh, it's just, um, when Jeff told me I was going to sentence me to uh, go to six months in the alley, I thought, you know, I'm, I've been there, done that. I don't want to do that anymore. He said, well, I want to go to AA. I had absolutely no idea what alcohol is not important. Now, I sort of knew what alcohol was because I went home and I read the records in Montana, they have open records, so I could read all my records and all my moments. And I thought, that poor woman, my God, you know, what a deal. What a deal she went to. Because I thought, you know, she's got a deal and she's done all, she's done a lot of things that I've never thought about. But the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, for me to uh, know what an alcoholic was, I got leaders of people that live under the bridge. They're just disgusting. You know, you got a drinking problem. Why don't you just straighten up and apply it? Like, why don't you just pull yourself up by your face back? Just keep yourself in the ass and just go on. Well, anyway, so what happened is that I, I didn't know what it was. And, and so now my self esteem is already on the floor. Well, I'm already digging the dick underneath the floor now because I, I truly, truly want to say what I wanted to be was crazy. I figured that if I could be, I have a mental problem, that would be the reason why I drank so much. And I was hoping somebody would give me some kind of a diagnosis. I don't care what it was. Just give me a diagnosis and you can give me one of those low pills, or you can give me a low ECT with electrical shock. But do something. Do something. Is that easy? Okay. Well, you know what I had to do? Go down I went back to bail and I called up this guy who had uh, been asking me for a date and I didn't say else, I don't know, but it, and I said, Steve, I'll be an adult with Martin, you're supposed to give me a talk set. And I didn't know. Well, so when he came home, he told me this terrible tale. About how he was a next year in Ohio and the guy told me he fell on the cement and almost drowned. And I said, you know what? If I had your problem, hell, I would give up drinking too. But that's not me. Don't you understand that for you? And, and so anyway, our, our meeting in bail consisted of five men and me. Now, it's real easy when you can hide in the back, you know, and sort of slip out that back door, and you can hide and nobody ever knows. 
But when you're signed in and you're the only woman, it's hard to get out of there. And, and so what they would do is that they'll get most and, and, and they'll read. They'll say, hey, would you like to read? Oh, no, no, I can't read. I never learned how to read. Well, we'll read it to you and I'll say, and they'll say, do you understand what we're saying? Talk to the most and I'll feel so much surprise. I said, no, I hear the phone in his mouth. You know? So, so that's what we're going to say. Um, and I know a lot of this stuff was, was something else. And it says, uh, we believe it goes to just that the actions of alcohol or the chronic alcohol is a manifestation of an allergy that the phenomenon of craving is limited to that fact and never occurs, doesn't it, and never occurs in the average drinker. So they say, has that ever happened to you? And I said, well, no, I've never, I don't think I've ever had that. Because I've never gone to anywhere and said, can you drink that? He's like, give me water. Well, I would never get a place in my life where I couldn't get out Yes. And so having this, this phenomenon of crazy, I didn't understand. What the phenomenon of crazy was, is that when I have one drink, do you want another one? Absolutely. Who would want one drink? You would want one drink. I never wanted one drink. And so I could drink and drink and drink. Oh, God, it's wonderful. And uh, it so on and on. Well, so they said it never happened, okay? This phenomenon of crazy, it never happened to the heavy drinker. And they said, you know, has this happened to you? Well, yeah. More than one, we all love them. He said it might be one of us. Oh, God, So, so that's what goes on in, in, in uh, chapter 4. And, and you know, they just read all this stuff to me and they know it's explaining. But it, in chapter 4, it uh, talks about, um, we hope we have made the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. It's when you honestly want to. You find you cannot quit entirely. This is a problem because I never wanted to quit. I never thought about quitting until the dentist told me they're going to quit. And then I thought about it because I don't want to quit. Who doesn't want to quit? Um, well, it's when basically you have uh, control over the amount you take. And what I found when I started drinking, I didn't know if I was going to have one drink. Tutoring. We're going to go to the whole evening. One time we really got outrageous and we went for a whole week. I said, that's really And so we went to New York and we went back to the whole week. We were moving up. But it says, um, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience can cover. And so what I found over the years is that I am suffering from an illness. It's not that I'm a bad person. It's not that I'm a stupid person. It's that I have the alcohol gene in my body, and what I did is that I took it in. And I found a diet vaccine from my mother. And so all I had to do was have enough alcohol in my system to be kicked off. You know, we all have genes in our system. Some have cancer genes, some have um, different heart genes. And, and I have the alcohol gene, and I truly feel this is most. And so all I had to do was just drink enough. And thank God that I got stopped because I wouldn't be here today. The way I was going, I was driving the black house. One time I was coming off the mountain there in the Rocky Mountains. God stopped me and said, what's the matter with you? And I said, this is mad. I'm a little drunk. He said, you're going to drive off that 10-foot cliff, 10,000 foot cliff. To me, my alcoholic life was the only normal one. I couldn't differentiate the truth from the fault because I told myself to lie so many times. There's nothing wrong with me. And it's obvious. You probably heard that from the alcohol. You know what? Mind your own business. There's nothing wrong with me. And I mean, we truly believe it. We truly believe it. And, um, after they had read the book and, and explained so much, I thanked them out. You know, I said, this isn't me. Because what's happened is that it happened to um, different alcoholics that I've known. 
My life was terrible. After I stopped drinking, it was terrible. And it didn't get better. It got worse. All of a sudden, I became very aware. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any boyfriend. My parents didn't want to talk to me. And you think that's better? I didn't have any kind of emotional sobriety at all. I mean, I didn't have a lot of reactions to growing up. In fact, 
I didn't even say I don't want to grow up. I didn't even remember this. Being sober. I don't want to grow up. I want to live there for the rest of my life. And I'm going to go out and find you to take care of it. And what I found is that, you know, two cities don't make a lot of I can't stand people in the club, and they 
down the parts and do your own darn thing and they just they're the most rude, irresponsible people. I have to them all with things of emotional nature, I was either suicidal or homicidal the first three years. I didn't want to kill you or me. Um, it says you were killed and murdered and affected if you would have those feelings and love them, maybe. Uh, it says um, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't make a living. So I had just a few jobs in my life. You know, if you didn't give me the president's job, I'd leave. You know, we had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. It says, when we all have basic conditions of the devil, what's more important than whether we see the real of the real fight, of course it was. Now, this was a good argument. It says, when we found ourselves, their problems by a simple reminder upon the spirit of the university head start, um, doubting the power of God, our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. I had a problem with God when I first came here because I had been around, you know, I was uh, baptized and then I went and I was in the catechism and I was a Catholic and felt like a good sinner and, and then I went to First Communion and I used to lie. I'll go to the church and I'll tell them this thing that gives me absolution or whatever it was. Um, then I, when the family got involved with the Catholic Church, it became Lutheran and I was uh, confirmed in the Lutheran Church. And after going there, I started uh, hearing about we need more money. And I thought, that's the root of this. They need more money. And I thought, you know, what has God ever done for me? And so that's when I was so inside. Now, people could go to church and they could feel good. I would go to church and I knew. I was a sinner. I knew that I was an angel. So why would I want to go to any place like that and feel terrible the whole time over there? And that sort of way, my feeling, my perception, remember I had this illusion perception? That is my perception of, of what was going on. Now, God, he can go to church and he feels good. And I wish I would have had that, but he didn't. So when I came here, they said, you have to find some kind of a higher power. <laughs> oh, come on, folks. It's kind of like I'm thinking, and now you want me to find some higher power? They said, you don't have to worry. You don't have to call him God. I said, thank you. They said, you can call him Ralph. Ralph. Okay. Ralph, well, that worked until Ralph showed up. I said, my higher power is Ralph. And it's only one thing. You don't know things overnight. Okay? You build faith itself. Okay? And, and so I turned my drinking problem over to him. And I said, hey, pal, do you think I've got a drinking problem? Help me. I have not had a drink since then. Now, that doesn't mean that I've done everything perfect. You know, God takes care of both of us. But, you know, I just kept doing the deal. I kept coming and I kept trying. And uh, I kept walking steps, and then I didn't get another response. I got finally, I got a sponsor, and they called her the Dragon Woman. And the reason they called her Cassie Angela, and the reason they called her that, she's half Oriental and half Mexican. She was a tough guy. She used to carry a 38 at first. And the reason she did, she used to be part of the market. And, and, you know, so I thought that was exciting. Uh, but anyway, Wilma really helped me in so many ways because not only did she uh, talk to me about the program, in fact, I was around in a snowstorm in, in uh, Cincinnati one time that I, I got there, and uh, I was trapped in a snowstorm listening to Clancy Tate. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to kill me. But what it did tell me, okay, is that just because you sober up, doesn't mean that your money's just going to break it up. And see, that's what we hear about this. You're sober, and your mind is still really crazy. There's something really wrong with it. And uh, I didn't like any of the mental health professionals, so I didn't say it. I never went and saw And uh, they said, if you just look steps, you'll be okay. And so I did start working steps. And the other thing is that she told me, she said, you have a rotten over attitude. And you have to uh, change your attitude. And she said, there's two things. If you look at the standard of prayer, and God's right standard of prayer, there's things I cannot change. Okay? I can't change you guys. 
and my back and everything is just tightened up. And you keep doing that, I destroyed my back. I mean, I have non-degenerative disabilities and I have surgery and all that stuff. And I found out you can't live that way. You cannot continue to push the resentment inside. You cannot continue to take all those emotions, put them inside, and think you're not going to pay a price. And so that's you know, one of the things that I didn't have surgery. And, and uh, you know, I have a chronic pain today. And, and some of the things that I've had to learn is how to deal with it. And it, it's been a, a big challenge for me. And, you know, everybody has some kind of physical problem. I mean, you're not going to get out of here without anything. Um, you know, <laughs> because this is where the, the learning part of life. As I continue on my journey, what I have found is that I today still need a sponsor. And I need a sponsor that knows the program better than I do. Uh, Wilma moved over to Hawaii and I couldn't get a hold of her. And then I tried another lady and, and that didn't seem to work out. And so finally one of my old home group members who has a year left and I do, he knows that big book better than I do. And, and I um, get disappointed when the world isn't doing what I think it should do. And I got really depressed a couple of years after I was like, do I join the army? And when I was just and <laughs> that's the whole story. But I had a tendency to get depressed. And uh, so I just lay around trying to feel sorry for myself for a while. And finally, I was like, you know, if you don't kick yourself in the ass and do something there. So I went and I worked steps to get into my new sponsor. And the thing that I found out, what was interesting to me, is that I had never met the size of the adult. In fact, um, I have something wrong with you. Okay? I, said, I, I told him, I said, you know, I'm stupid. He said, that's it. You know, you got a doctor. And I said, I'm a con artist. He said, you're not that good. Okay? Your homes and your hearts, Bob and I, 
And uh, in fact, Bobby and Baby Kata stood up for us when we got married the second time. That's another story. I have lots of stories in this. You know, if you want to sit here to other times and I don't know the mind can't observe what the, the bum can't stand. So, well, I don't know if you here. And, um, but it, it has a, um, been a fun journey. But the thing that I know, my journey is over. Okay? I just started a new profession this uh, last fall. And it's a little bit to my fault because I said, I'm too old. He said, you're only 52. He said, I'm 20. I said, well, okay. He said, well, you know, um, Bob used to tell me this about Colonel Sanders. And he said, he was just when he was 65. And he said, you know, man will rush out before he'll wear out. Okay? And, and one of the things that I know is that I have a lot of education to sit home and not do anything. So I started this new profession and I work with people that have PTSD and, and uh, chronic pain. And, and it's truly really an adventure because I can really relate to them. You know, when you can relate to the people that you work with and you can say, I understand, and they know that you understand, it's just almost like talking to an alcoholic. You know, and I'm saying you don't have to live this way. And the thing about it is that there's some things that you have to do, just like the program. If I run into people that I don't know what to do with, I say, listen, and we go work with them. And uh, it's a marvelous program. And my children who the psychologist is clearly told me some years ago that you know if people that I see in my case would just work the process of alcoholics anonymous, he said it would cut my business down to thirds. He said there's a third of the population that are so mentally ill they can't can't do it. But he said if you just work the steps and you do what you're supposed to do and pray and ask God to help you. Because you become probably the most mentally well-first people, the most well you want to read anywhere. And the other thing is that we have the conditions and the concepts so we can learn how to deal with each other. Anyway, I think uh, it's about, I don't know what time it is, but anyway, it's about time to go. And I want to thank you for allowing me in, in Bob's kind of charity, Al-Anon Conference. It's, it's been truly a fun deal, and my way of discovery has has been going on and on, and it's not going to keep on rolling. I want to thank you, and um, my name is Neil, and I'm now home.